So, let me ask you, how much of a complainer are you? How much of a complainer are you? Now, I'm not much of one. I'm not much of a complainer, but I have my moments. So, just this week, we bought a new piece of technology, a new box to help us with our streaming service. Oh, wait, I can take this out. Ah, there we go, because I'm up here all alone. All right, well, so we bought this new box to help us with our, to improve our streaming service. And, and so it means I have to learn some new technology this week. And so now, because I'm old, I immediately went to the manual and not like go to YouTube like a normal person. And so I opened up this manual and I started reading and clicking through menus and configurations and all of that. Well. Particularly, I was reading about how to apply lyrics onto the screen for our stream. And, and it started out okay. It started out with this sentence. Keyers allow the arrangement of visual elements from different sources on the same video image. I'm like, okay, I get that. I'm tracking. And not more than just two paragraphs later, it starts saying this. And my notes just went. Okay, there we go. Um, there we go. So, literally, just two paragraphs later, it starts saying, A pre-multiplied key is a combination of the fill and key signal where the fill signal has been pre-multiplied by the key signal over the background with an alpha channel. What? Like, seriously, what language is that? <laughs> like, have you ever been so confused by something, you questioned what language you spoke? That was me. Like, really? Like, I speak English, don't I? Like, how is this so confusing? Well, needless to say, I complained about that manual to everybody that would listen. Everybody that would listen, I was complaining. And it turns out that company is notorious for really difficult manuals. So I clearly was not alone. But see, you see, that's what we do. When things get difficult, we complain. It's, it's a really natural thing to do. And see, complaining is a very natural reaction to stress, to discomfort, and to uncertainty. That's why we're talking about it here in our series called Hope in Uncertainty, where we talk about God's faithfulness as we face an unknown future. Because one of the things we do in uncertainty is we complain. Um, and so, and my guess is, so over the last six months, you have probably done your fair share of complaining. Maybe you've complained about COVID. Maybe you've complained about the government, your family that you had to spend way too much time with. Maybe on Zoom meetings, you complained about those, the person who could not understand how to mute their mic. Maybe you, we have plenty of things to complain about. Maybe the fact that there was a period of time where we literally could not buy toilet paper. All kinds of things that we could complain about. So why do we complain in the first place? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why you complain? Well, 
We complain when we want a situation to change. We complain when we don't want to take responsibility for changing a situation. We complain to get attention. We complain to find people who agree with us, to feel validated. We complain because it feels good. We complain because it requires minimal risk, and it's really easy. There are all kinds of reasons we complain. But all of these reasons can all be traced back to one core idea. We complain because it gives us the illusion of control, especially when we feel out of control. So if you have felt out of control in the last six months, which is pretty much all of us, we complain because we want to hold on to, it gives us the feeling, it gives us the illusion of control. And so complaining becomes a pretty attractive option. But the problem with complaining, the problem is complaining never delivers what it promises. Let me say that again. Everyone online, you, you following here? Complaining never delivers what it promises. As, as one researcher, one author put it, complaining creates factions, prevents productive engagement, reinforces and strengthens dissatisfaction, riles up others and breaks trust. We become the cancer we're complaining about. The negative influences that seep into the culture, we become one of them. Worse, our complaining amplifies the destructiveness and the annoyance of the initial frustration about which we're complaining. Complaining never delivers what it promises. So how can we escape it? How can we escape this disease of complaining? How can you complain less and appreciate more? How can you avoid making your own life and the lives of the people sitting next to you, sitting on the couch in bed with you, how can you avoid making their lives and your life actually worse? What is the antidote to the disease of a complaining heart? Thankfully, we don't have to wonder about that. God answers that question. Right there in Scripture, right there in the story of the Israelites wandering through the desert. And that's the story we've been looking at the last couple of weeks as part of this series. And God answers it, and he shows us a powerful illustration of how to deal with uncertainty and complaint. So we're going to be looking at Numbers 11. Numbers 11. And Numbers has some overlap with Exodus. The last two weeks we've been in Exodus, and here in Numbers, the story kind of continues. And so I'm going to be hitting um, part of it, and Kong's going to be doing the, the second part. And so, see, in this story, in Numbers 11, we see two antidotes to this disease of a complaining heart. We see two antidotes. I'm going to talk about the first one. Pastor Kong's going to talk about the second one. So the first one, the first one is all about this, all about bread. And you see, after, after 
God free the Israelites from slavery. They, they wandered. They migrated. They wanted to get out of town. And so they started walking. And obviously, when you're walking through a desert, there are not a whole lot of food sources. And you clearly could not keep tra um, travel with food for two million people as part of the Exodus. And so God provided miraculously. And that's what was amazing. God provided miraculously for the Israelites in the form of bread. In particular, it was something called manna. And it was this powder wafer-like substance. And, and the Bible describes it. And so here on, on your handout, we're going to start with verse 7. So we're going to jump down to the second paragraph there. We're going to start with verse 7 because it paints a picture, a description of what manna looked like. Here it is. So following with verse 7. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot and made it into loaves. And it tasted something like uh, something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Every night, God provided. Every day, God provided food for them. See, this was their lembas bread. You know, you know the, the elven bread from Lord of the Rings. And yes, I am really that much of a nerd, in case you hadn't you didn't know that about me. But it was, it was, it was nutritious, it was plentiful every day, and it fed them. But still, it was this for every meal. And there's only so much baked manna, boiled manna, fried manna, manna cotti, manna banana cream pie. There's only so much of this you could do. And so what happens when we start getting frustrated? What happens when we start getting discontent? We complain. And that's exactly what the Israelites did. Because remember, they were in an uncertain time. They did not know what their future held for them. They did not know what this desert held for them. It was stressful, anxiety-producing, and uncertain. And so remember, in uncertainty, we can go to complaining. And that's what they did. So now jump up to the first paragraph in verse 4. Verse 4 in the beginning. The rabble with them began to crave other food. Other than this. And, and the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic. Beginning to sound like a mom, mom's garden here at this point. Okay, But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this man. Oh. Okay. They start complaining. Even after God's miraculous provision, the Israelites went back to complaining. They saw God's miraculous hand at work. And they still went back to complaining. Okay? They still had the disease and they missed the antidote. You see, the first antidote to a complaining heart is appreciation appreciation it's one of the most repeated phrases in the whole bible give thanks 
Give thanks to God. Give thanks to a grateful heart. Give thanks in enduring hardship and suffering. They failed to give thanks. They missed it. God gave to them abundantly and they failed to give thanks. They still didn't get it. They missed the antidote. They failed to appreciate God's provision. They failed to appreciate God's provision. Because appreciation is the first antidote to a complaining heart. Now, there's a second one, though. There's a second one. And for that, I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Claude. morning again to you all and good morning to our online audience. I'm Pastor Kong, I'm the associate pastor. So in preparing this sermon, we, we came up with two antidotes like Pastor Greg mentioned. And a part of me is, was really hesitant about the second part because a part of me is like, man, I wish we could just leave it at this point. That the antidote to complaining is appreciating God's provision. I wish we could just leave it there. Because the second antidote here, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to give you a heads up. It's really heavy. Really heavy. So here's the second antidote to the complaining heart. The antidote is suffering as punishment. Suffering as punishment. Now, if we put those out on scales, our farmers and shoot, I would rather appreciate God's provision than suffer God's punishment. Let's continue the text to better understand what this looks like and what this means. And so like Pastor Greg had mentioned, the Israelites were stuck in the desert. And God provided for them. God gave them manna. But they kept on complaining about wanting more. They wanted meat. We want to eat meat. It got so bad that even Moses started complaining to God. And so I'm going to summarize some of the verses, and I'll read some of the verses. And so from verses 10 through 17 in Numbers 11, Moses gets frustrated with God because the people are complaining to him about not having meat to eat. Complaining is contagious. So contagious that what happens is Moses goes to God, and not, does, not only does Moses report about the people complaining, guess what? Moses starts complaining too. Moses is saying some ridiculous things like God these people are burdening me. God, they're not my children. God, if I want to be true like this, I'd rather have you kill me. Moses was in a bad place. There's definitely no appreciation. And so what happened is that God introduces the second antidote to complain, which is to suffer God's punishment. And so I'm going to pick up reading in verse 18. And the verse 18 is also on your piece of paper, so feel free to follow along. And so this is what it looked like in experiencing God's punishment as a second antidote to complain. This is what it says in verse 18. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. 
you will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? So God, we complain, God tells Moses, go and tell the Israelites, they're going to get their meat. Right? Not just be a one day's worth, or two days worth, or ten days worth. They're going to get a month's worth. And they're going to eat it to the point where it's coming out of their nostrils. Now, the only time any food has come out of my nostrils is when I've sneezed on you. But it was that bad. What happens later is astounding. You see, the temporary condition of the Israelites having to eat manna was only for a moment. God had promised them that you're going to inherit a land filled with, with milk and honey flowing. You just have to be patient. I'll get you there. But the Israelites said, no, we want our need right now. We want to experience the best right now. There's already a promise ahead of time that the Israelites are so impatient to hold on to. So instead of learning to appreciate that, they complain. And complaining, they have to suffer God's punishment. What's crazy is that, like Pastor Greg mentioned, in experiencing these miracles of how God liberated them from Egypt, but if only we could have me. If only we go back to slavery, if only we were back in Egypt, things would be so much better. Notice how much control they wanted. And that control drove them to give up their control so that they can be back in slavery. Crazy. Crazy. Moses continues to complain to God and he's like, God, you might do that, but there's 600,000 men here. And Pastor Greg mentioned there's about 2 million of the Israelites there. In questions if God was able to provide all that meat for them. Moses and the people's complaint causes God to respond to Moses by saying this. In verse 23, he says, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I will say will come true for you. I read that and I was like, oh man, God's showing up. It reminds me of when I was younger, I complained to my mom to my mom. And if it got bad, if it got bad enough, this is what my mom would always say to me. Go you law. It moment that mean, did you give birth to me? I'm your mother. I was almost like, how dare you speak like that to me? And at that point, I'd be like, oh shoot. I stepped a little too far over my mom's. You know, authority, her providence, her care, her love. In that situation, Moses and the people probably stepped one foot too far from appreciating what God had done. So this is what happens in verse 31 to 34. And this is on your sheet too. This is what happens. Verse 31. Now wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep. So quail comes, meat comes in the form of quail, 
and they are flying about three feet deep in quails. That's how much quail is provided, okay? Remember God said that God would give them a month's worth, worth of meat. They would be eating it to the point where it was coming out of their nostrils. And so quail comes, and they're about three feet deep, and quail's flying all around them. So uh, let me pick up where it it's scattered to uh, scattered. It scattered them up to two cubits all around the camp, as far as the day's walk in any direction. All that day and night, and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered them less less than ten homers. One homer is about one donkey load, which is about two hundred to five hundred pounds, depending on the donkey. So again, each individual is able to to collect 10 homers loads. That's a ton of quail. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of pounds of quail for each individual. Then they spread them out all around camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it, it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Ateavah because there... They buried the people who had craved other food. Uh, so let me explain that a little bit more in understanding how the second antidote is God's is suffering of uh, God's punishment. So God gives them the quail, the meat that they've been asking for. Again, the quail spans from about a day's walk in every direction. They're about three feet deep in it. They're collecting hundreds, thousands of pounds of quail, and they're eating it. And it says in the Bible that when the meat is still in their teeth, so they haven't even swallowed it, God's anger burns against their complaining and strikes them with a severe plague. Scholars and commentaries believe that this plague was basically food poisoning that left to their own device, left to their own desire of wanting meat so bad because they're in the desert, because there's so much meat, because it wasn't prepared probably, because they were so excited, because of whatever reason. That they ate this meat and died from food poisoning. And in light of that experience of experiencing God, experiencing in suffering God's punishment, they called that place where they received meat Kiroth Ateva, which a literal translation means graves of cravings. And they buried there. Because people had had craved food that brought them, literally brought them to their graves. Now, thankfully, when Jesus died on the cross for us, all the punishment, all the punishment was taken onto that cross. And so if you're a bit concerned of like, man, is God going to punish me when I'm complaining? Is God going to punish me when I'm complaining and during uncertainty? All the punishment Jesus has taken to the cross. With that in mind, we, we do still experience God's discipline, though. And so that might be experienced differently among us. Where When we rebel and we, we tell God, no, it's not our desire to, it's not my desire to follow your will, God. God will discipline us. So we won't experience suffering, but we will experience his discipline. And inexperiencing that will stop us from complaining. Now, here's the deal. The Israelites who complain about me, they literally stop complaining. 
because some of them drop dead. For us, it's a matter of understanding that we will, be, we will experience the discipline. And I don't know about you, but receiving discipline is not very fun. But here's the thing about discipline. In suffering God's punishment, in suffering God's discipline, when we experience that, I hope that that leads us to build perseverance in our suffering. And in Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 4, it talks about how perseverance leads us to build character. And character builds hope in the salvation of who God is. And so although discipline might not be very fun when we feel it, again, it's it's to help sustain us, to prepare us, to build us up, to grow us, so that we can sustain unto the hope that is true, that is tried, and is eternal. So what does this mean for you and I? What does this mean for us, River Life Church? What does this mean for us, River Life Online? What does this mean? What does this look like? In times of uncertainty, when we find ourselves complaining to God, what does this mean? What does it mean to appreciate God's provision or suffer God's punishment? It's one or the other. In uncertain times when we complain, we're either going to appreciate God's provision or suffer God's punishment. See, like Pastor Greg mentioned, at the heart of uncertainty and complaining, there's a desire for us to be in control because we're dissatisfied what's going on. And when we fight to be in control, we lose sight that God is in control. And we take measures that we think are beneficial for us. But again, left to our own device, left to our own decisions, as great as these ideas may be, they can end up being very harmful for us instead. And so, as we discovered today, again, the antidote to complaining is to appreciate God's provision or suffers, suffer God's punishment. Now, I want to give you a second to think about this. And this will be the question that we'll have in a little bit when we reflect. What is your manna? What is your quail? You see, the manna was God's provision. And for those who appreciated God's provision, they didn't have to suffer God's punishment. But for those who wanted meat, for those who wanted quail, they suffered God's punishment. And so my question for you is, what is your man? And what is your quail? For some of us, man, it can be prayer. It can be reading the Bible. It can be practicing our spiritual disciplines. Or being in a church community, whether that's in person or online. Serving. Things that we do to develop our faith and our hope in Christ. Quail, on the other on our other hand, are things that are extra, that draw our focus away from God. It's the things that we crave and even lust after. And why I say lust, a lot of times that that is there's a connotation that's sexual lust, but it could just be lust in general, that we desire something so bad we're willing to compromise our values, we're willing to compromise everything about us just to get it. Whether it's the new, newest car, or the newest house, or the newest phone, or the next relationship. What are some things that we are complaining to God about? 
that we might not be receiving because it might cause us harm. Is in God wanting to hold back the quail or in God just giving the people manna? He was holding back the harm that the people are going to experience because they want it so bad. God's like, in your complaint, the end of the government gave me is to suffer my punishment. And so, again, I ask you, take a second to think. What is your manna? What is your quail? pray for us and then we're going to open up a time to reflect and um, you know we're reflection we're give you you know we're going to have Pastor Greg and someone else walking around with mics and we hope you know we invite you to share whatever may have spoken to you about a complaining heart and the antidotes to complaining heart whether that's appreciating God's provision or suffering God's punishment you can even think of the question I have posed before we're ending here, what is your manner? What is your quail? And what are the things that we're doing to be aware of the manner that God has given us versus the quail that we want so bad but it's so harmful for us? And so church, would you pray with me and we'll open up time for sharing? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your reminder in Numbers 11 that the antidote to a complaining heart is to appreciate your provision or to suffer your punishment. We thank you for all that you have provided for us. And God, I'm reminded in Matthew when you tell the disciples, you know, don't be worried about what you're going to wear. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat. Because God loves us more than the grass or the animals. And so he will clothe us and you'll provide us with what we need. And so Lord, may we cling on to being grateful to your provision. And God, we thank you that Christ has taken up all the punishment. Christ has taken up the ultimate punishment so that we no longer have to experience punishment. But we do experience discipline. And so in moments where we do experience discipline, Lord, May we understand that it is, it serves as a purpose to turn our rebellious hearts to a heart of obedience, Lord, that will love you, that will cling on to you, even in the most uncertain moments where we find ourselves complaining. And so would you speak to us as we share with one another what has been spoken to us, what the Spirit has laid on our hearts, Lord? May we share the manna in our life and the quail in our life? And can we be a community both online and digitally that will lift each other up and remember and remember to cling on to Jesus? And so we pray and let this all be the name of the Lord. Amen. All right. So we're going to open it up for the crowd to reflect. And so if you've got something on your heart you want to share, feel free to raise your hand. We've got Greg and Chong with mics. And they'll come to you with the mic. And again, feel free to keep it short and let us know what, what God is placing in your hearts. Our digital audience, feel free to put in the text or talk to the people you're with about what has spoken to you in this message. What is your manner of prayer you're doing?